Now, we shared last week on running on purpose. That's our theme. We're talking about run. God spoke to our hearts and said, run, run your best lap. And we spoke last week about running on purpose, how God was, uh, God made us on purpose for a purpose. People enjoyed that message last week. We were made on purpose by God for a purpose. We were created by God for good works. We opened that last week. You can go back and listen to that on the app as well if you missed last week. And we looked how God is very much a purpose-driven God um, and has a purpose for what he makes, what he does, and also what he has us do. Whatever the Lord has us do now as new creation, um, living this side of the cross believers, God always has a purpose to it. Whatever God has us to do, there's always a purpose to what he is asking of us. Now, it's good for us to always have an understanding of God's purpose for a thing so that we understand it correctly, but also we get from it what God packed into it. When God's doing something... He's packed something into it. When we have understanding of what God's doing, we get from what God has set in motion the things that he wanted us to. Now, one example of this is baptism, specifically water baptism. I'm not speaking on the baptism of the Holy Spirit. I'm speaking of water baptism, which is something that we do as followers of Jesus today in the 21st century as those who first walked with him. Now, next Sunday, we've got our worship night, but as a part of our worship night, we're going to take time in our worship to baptise some people that haven't been baptised in water. And I wanted to take some time today to just teach on baptism a little bit, the purpose of baptism. So if you've never been baptised, you're inspired to be baptised. But also, if you have been baptised, you understand what God was doing in that moment so that you can live in the good of it. We need to make sure that we deliver water baptism from something where it's like a mere ceremony or somebody just getting wet to understand and receive from God in that moment of divine connection, heavenly connection, everything that God's got for the person who's being baptised. So today, most would fit into two groups of people. Number one, um, it's for those who have been baptised. And today I want to encourage you and remind you, maybe sometime in your walk with God, you've been baptised. I want to encourage you today, again, concerning what God did in that moment, so that you can continue to draw the good of it, even if it was 40 years ago, 60 years ago, by faith you still draw on the good of it, in your walk with God now. But also, secondly, for those who haven't been baptised yet, maybe you've been meaning to, or you made up your mind not to, I want to change your mind today and actually see you next Sunday night getting baptised with the church in this incredible moment of celebration. Today's good for both. It brings remembrance to those who have been baptised, but also gives revelation or instruction or understanding to those who haven't. It's another large subject I'm just going to skim over today, but encourage you to further study it. The first reason that a person should be baptised is obedience. That's the first, if not the foremost reason, a person should be baptised in water. Because Jesus commanded every believer to be baptised as a part of their salvation experience. 
And it was also a key part of what Jesus asked his disciples to do when they were sent out 2,000 years ago. But Jesus still believes or, or, or requires us as ministers and disciples today to still be passionate about water baptism in the life of a person that's encountering Christ. A couple of verses I'm going to read through quick. They're going to be on the screen. They're going to be on your message notes on your app. Obviously, Matthew 28, 19 is the Great Commission. Jesus says, go, for and make, go therefore and make disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. That's a commission for them, but also a commission for us today. Mark 16, 16. Whoever believes and is baptized will be saved, but whoever doesn't believe will be condemned. Again, this is the words of Jesus regarding a baptism experience, not speaking of the baptism of the Holy Spirit, but specifically the baptism in water. Now, in Acts chapter 2, verses 38, it says, And Peter said to them, the people that he was speaking to about salvation, this is what you need to do. Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift or the baptism, that secondary baptism, of the Holy Spirit. But the Bible recognizes a baptism in water for the believer and a baptism in the Holy Spirit for the believer. Both times the word that's used is the word baptizo, which is saturation, full immersion, to be overwhelmed. Now, Jesus didn't make a suggestion he said that this is a requirement for somebody who's coming, repenting, and turning their life to him. It wasn't, hey, if you get round to it, if you feel you'd like it, if you're not scared of this messing up your hairdo. Jesus said, if you're coming to me in repentance, you're turning from who you were to be a follower of me, the first thing you need to do is follow me with obedience through the waters of baptism. Baptism in full immersion. Jesus himself was baptized by John, as we know, in full immersion. So again, I'm skimming over some thoughts because time is a little bit short today. Baptism always involves full immersion of consenting adults. That's why we don't christen children in family church. Is that the seagulls on the roof? They love it when I preach those seagulls. This is the best part of their Sunday morning. Andy's on, guys, come on. Let's go stamp on the roof. Now, we don't christen in family church because we believe that baptism is done for consenting adults that understand what they're doing and they've chosen to do it as a follower of Jesus Christ. We believe that water baptism happens by full immersion, because we imitate the pace setter, Jesus Christ. As he was baptized, that's how we choose to do it. Again, the word baptize, this is in your notes. It means to submerge, to overwhelm. It's likened to a piece of cloth being put into dye, taking on what the dye is, having the color of what it is radically changed by the experience. Now, the verses of Jesus being baptized are found in Matthew 3. Verses 13 to 17, he got baptized to fulfill all righteousness. We follow the model that he's given us. 
I want to share briefly with you three purposes. There's many more, but just three purposes of what God does in water baptism, okay? Number one, he has the purpose of giving you unhindered new beginnings. One of the purposes of water baptism is to provide the believer, that's you and me, with an unhindered new beginning. Let me unpack that a little bit more. Water baptism, even though we use chlorinated water, it represents a death. It represents a burial experience. Now, we use water, but sometimes we make it too clean, people miss the point. When a person goes under the water in water baptism and then comes out of water baptism and the water breaks their face, it represents the burial of the old person they used to be and the resurrection of the new creation that they now are in Christ because they've repented and turned to him as Lord and Saviour. So when somebody goes down, that represents the old sinner and the baggage the stuff that could hinder them from the past being buried. But when the person comes out, they come out without the baggage. Jesus does this as a dynamic, supernatural moment of liberation in the life of a believer. Sometimes when people struggle with who they used to be, I'll ask them, have you been baptized? And often they'll say no. I said, well, you're still carrying baggage around that God wants buried. Water baptism provides the burial of things of your past or the new creation and even the sinner that you once were. Now, key verses on this I would use would be 2 Corinthians 5.17. If anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. That's death terminology. When something's passed away, behold, all things have now become new. Salvation makes all things new. Water baptism gives the ability to bury and walk away from that which was old. And that's a good thing, something that we should celebrate. It also represents the burial of the old man, the sinner that you once were, so that you can walk away as the righteous person God has now made you to be by the divine exchange that he achieved on the cross. Remember, God made him, that's Jesus, who knew no sin, to become sin for us, that we would become the righteousness of God in Christ. When we go through the waters of baptism, when you went through the waters of baptism, do you understand, as you should, that that was the burial of the old you, the old creation, and the sinner you once were, when you come out of water baptism, you're a person who the Son has set free and is now free indeed. Romans 6 verses 1 to 4 speaks of water baptism. What should we say then? Should we go on sinning so that grace may increase? By no means. We are those who have died to sin. How can we live any longer in it? Or don't you know that all of us who were baptized into Christ Jesus, were baptized into his death. We were therefore buried with him through baptism into a death experience 
in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may now live a new life. So when a person repents and turns to Christ, they then follow him through the waters of baptism, repent and be baptized. The baptism provides the funeral or the burial of that which they used to be so that they can be free and free indeed to live a new creation life. Everybody with me? Okay. The second purpose, I mean, these are just three. There's many more. I've just grabbed three of them. The other purpose, or the second purpose for water baptism, is the purpose of complete freedom for the believer from things that held them. All right? When somebody applies faith to water baptism, they can experience a freedom from things that have held them, so that they're free from the grip of those things in the life they have to live for God now. Now, a type and shadow of this, somebody being freed from the grip of obligation or freedom from past things, is seen in the example of the children of Israel. Again, in your own time, you can read about this in Exodus 14. It's in the notes. Remember the storyline of the children of Israel involved in baptism. It involved a baptism that was a type and shadow for us as New Testament believers today. You see, children of Israel were under a Putin of their own. He was called Pharaoh. And he was governing over them, controlling them. But then God sent a redeemer, God sent a liberator, Moses, who brought them out of his control and was leading them into what God had promised them. All right? They were liberated, you know the whole storyline of the uh, plagues and the story of Moses. But Pharaoh eventually, the Putin of his time, eventually let them go, but he didn't let them go in his heart. And as they were on their way into what God had intended for them, the new creation, suddenly Pharaoh said, go and get back what belongs to me. Go and get the people that have left my kingdom. Go and get the people that belong to my empire, bring them back. And we have that incredible scene at the edge of the Red Sea, don't we? Where you've got Moses, but it's okay, he's got a stick. That made him feel really confident. When there's an ocean that doesn't look like you can pass it, and you see the dust of your former prison guard, your former ruler, who was cruel and abusive, coming to bring you back into slavery. And back into his ownership. But what does God do in that moment? He says to Moses, extend your stick. And as he extends the stick, you know the story of the oceans part. Now watch what happens. Moses leads the people of God into the Red Sea. And even as they're walking through the Red Sea, they look back. And that which once held them captive is following them in. And it looks like everyone is going to come out the other side and it doesn't look good. But the Bible records as the last foot of one of his people, the children of Israel, left the Red Sea and the last foot of the slave driver came into the Red Sea, God shut the ocean. 
You see, God didn't just give the children of Israel freedom. He gave them freedom from future captivity to that which once held them. All right. How do we bring that into the new creation experience through water baptism? That we see water baptism as a supernatural provision of God. The water is still water. It's what God does in the water. The water, we're not going to sell it as holy water or anything like that. Don't try drinking it after next week's service. That's disgusting. The water is water, but it's what God does in that moment when somebody applies faith to that moment. Now, what happens is, just as the children of Israel were set free from that which had grip on them, so believers are set free, not from Pharaoh, but from addictions, guilt, curses, fears, and other things that gripped their life before they belonged to Jesus. I've seen this happen too many times. I used to travel doing tent meetings in upstate New York, and we used to take a jacuzzi, one of those inflatable jacuzzis with us before they were popular. And we used to just baptize people as a part of our services. I can remember memorable things where people that had smoked and been addicted to things for 40 years got into the baptismal tank addicted and came out and never smoked again. God meets us when we apply faith to things. There was one woman, and she was trembling by the edge of this pool. I must have looked scary in a pool saying, come on, you know, I get that. But I said, what's the matter? She said, I'm scared of water. Something happened when I was young, and I'm terrified of water. I said, do you swim? She says, I've never swum. I said, God's going to set you free today. And she got in, bless her. She was trembling when she got in that water baptismal tank. It was a jacuzzi, bubble, like hot tub thing. And we said, in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and we baptized her, and she came out unafraid, shouting with joy. She sent me an email a week later how she joined a swimming club and was learning now how to swim. God doesn't want you pursued by that which once owned you. Water baptism gives you the ability to walk away from that which kept you in slavery. If you apply faith. If you don't apply faith, you might as well do the ice bucket challenge because all you do is get wet. But if you apply faith, God will meet you in that moment and give you liberty. So again, you can read about this in Exodus 14, addictions, guilt, curses. You know, people often say, what do you feel about curses? I say, well, a curse without a cause can't land, according to Scripture. There may have been curses in your genealogy, in your parents, in your grandparents, but the Bible says a curse without a cause cannot land. That's what the Bible says. And every cause against you that gave a curse the chance to land ended when you died in Christ. And the demonstration of you following him through the waters of baptism, celebrating your death experience, liberates you from even a curse that was on your family line. You don't seem excited about that. I would be very excited about that. Because who the sun sets free... It's free indeed. And the final one that we'll just spend some time with today is water baptism is also the purpose of the provision of a clear conscience before God. That not only does God save you, set you free from that which held you hostage and captive and had a grip on you, he also provides for you a clear conscience to be able to stand before him and say, I stand before you as somebody that's done nothing wrong. Isn't that awesome? Because God didn't want you groveling in his presence after what he did for you in the death of his son. 
He wanted to restore clear conscience to the believer so that we can have fellowship with him. You never have fellowship or closeness with somebody you're scared is going to um, punish you. You're always like that. God provides through water baptism, and I'll read you the scripture, a clear conscience. So that even the vilest sinner can stand before him as somebody that's done nothing wrong. Me. I would be listed in that list. How about you? Now the devil loves to condemn and he uses your past to condemn you. The Bible recognizes him in the book of Revelations as the accuser of the brethren or the accuser of the church. Romans 12 verse 10 says the accuser, or sorry, Revelations 12 verse 10 says, the accuser of the brethren is cast down, which the one who accused them before God day and night. So the enemy of your soul, the devil, accuses you or tried to accuse you before God day and night. But God removed his accusation by killing you so that now he silenced the accuser. And in killing who you were, you now stand before him, purified by the blood of Jesus Christ. And if you blow it, he's made provision in 1 John that you confess your sins and he forgives you your sins and cleanses you from all unrighteousness. God has made a way for us to stand before him in restored innocence. Isn't that awesome? Now, 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 21 says baptism, which corresponds to this, now saves you not as a removal of dirt from your body, but as an appeal to God for a good conscience through the resurrection of Jesus Christ. So water baptism is an appeal to God for a clear conscience that he grants because he promised he would. Who's an example for us here? The Apostle Paul. The Apostle Paul. Remember, the Apostle Paul taught in 1 Corinthians. Listen to what Paul says about himself, right? For I know nothing against myself, yet I'm not justified by, by this, but by he who judges me, and that's the Lord. Whoa, 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 wait a minute here. Hold on, Paul. I read about the early days of Paul when you were Saul. You were a barbaric serial killer. You were stalking Christians, killing them. And, and, and Paul, you cheeky monkey. How can you now say in front of the church, I know nothing against myself. I've done nothing wrong. Because Paul understood that there was a moment when he was Saul, but when Saul met Jesus on the road to Damascus, Saul went through a death. Saul was baptized, and Paul walked away from a baptism, a man innocent of who he was before. You see, Paul had a revelation of the innocence he had and the good conscience he had before the Lord. Not because he did anything, but Christ provided everything he needed for him to be free and free indeed. Now, the accuser of the brethren will whisper in your ear so you don't approach God because you don't think he wants to see you. He wants to see you. But a clear conscience will cause you to run in. Haven't you ever seen this with your kids? You know, my kids, they don't do it so much now. But I used to walk in the house and they'd run to me. They'd be all over my lap, except when they'd done something wrong. <laughs> and I'd know they'd done something wrong because the kids wouldn't be running to sit on my lap. And I'd say, all right, what's happened? We're like that with God, aren't we? So God provides a clear conscience through what he achieved in the death, burial and resurrection of Jesus Christ that we identified with and entered into and rose like Christ to newness of life, not in the heaven to come, but here and now. 
And we celebrate baptism because it's the celebration of the burial of the person we once were. Until a believer's danced on his own grave, he's not free. Water baptism gives you the opportunity to dance on your grave, but also say to the devil when he whispers in your ear in the days that follow, remember what you did. Well, actually, I don't. That person died. Sorry, you're experiencing um, uh, an identity crisis. That's not me. How do I know? I was at his funeral, man. (laughs) I was there when he was buried. Clear conscience before God. But hey, devil, Mile, I've got your attention. I haven't got a past, but you've got a future. Let's talk about your future. Do you know you're going to hell and there's no getting out of it? Where have you gone? You don't want to talk anymore? A clear conscience. Because a past has been dealt with. This is powerful, eh? Okay, so what's needed for a person to be baptized? Five things, all right? Number one, repentance. A turning from who you were to be a follower of Jesus Christ. Number two, faith. Belief in the purpose and the encounter of the moment. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. Number three, understanding. That you don't just get in the water and get wet, but you enter the water like the children of Israel entered the water, knowing that a new beginning is on the other shore. Number four, obedience. Because it may mess up your hair, gentlemen. I mean, ladies, it used to just be ladies. Now it's guys like, oh, what about my do? What about my do? You need to lay down the do for what Jesus has asked you to do. Hey, that rhymes somewhere in there. There's a poem being born there. See, obedience is what God asks of us. We get carried away with grace, mercy, love, and kindness. Jesus says, just do what I've asked you. Jesus said to those who come to him, repent and be baptized. It doesn't benefit him. It benefits us. All right? So repentance, faith, understanding, obedience, and obviously water. And we don't, like we say, believe in christening. If there was no water available on the earth to submerge someone in, I believe God would probably meet us with a Diet Coke poured over somebody's head because he's not religious. But we do have water, good news, so we won't pour Diet Coke on your head. You see, God wants to meet you in the moment with all the ingredients present. What are the ingredients? You, water, and faith. No matter what the water smells like or looks like. I can give you stories of water baptisms that are hilarious that I've had to do in different parts of the world. I did one in South Africa uh, that was just hilarious. I was in a place called Hermanus in Cape Town. And I went to a church and in this church the people didn't believe in water baptism. So that night I taught on water baptism. And I did such a great job that at the end of the night, it was about nine o'clock, the guy who owned the house that bordered onto a swamp said... We believe, let's do it now. I said, what now? And Gina's looking at me like, what did you do? And so he sets up uh, a flashlight over this murky bit of swamp at the back of his land. He says, we go in now. And I had like this, this group of about 15 people. But we get back to, I thought, boy, I did a good job there, didn't I? And I walk in the water and I said to Gina, if you see a crocodile, shout. If anything moves, shout. And Gina's looking at me like, why do you do this? I don't, I don't know, but it's exciting, right? And I'm in the water, and all of a sudden, I'm that deep. There's reeds all around. All the bugs are coming to the, the light that the guy's turned on. And all of a sudden, I feel like a thousand air bubbles, 
around my legs. And I turned to the person next to me. I said, I'm feeling air bubbles. He said, no, brother, those are eels. And I'm standing there like going, me and my big mouth. It was one of the quickest baptisms that we've ever done. Maybe in a few weeks I'll tell you about one that I did with Stuart that's hilarious, all right? So stick around. That was a good story, wasn't it? Still not convinced? I thought it was great. God meets people in obedience. All right. We don't want to be religious about this moment. We want to be meaningful. Meaningful. Meaningful with water baptism. It's not about what you wear, where you do it, but the involvement of faith coming from revelation of what God is doing in this moment. All the ingredients need to be present, whether that's a swimming pool, a swamp, or a bathtub. God don't care. He's just looking for ingredients. Water, person, faith. So God's not religious. We don't scent the water. Now, I just want to give some of you peace of mind. We will chlorinate it next week. All right? Just because of people's concerns of such things. But actually, I think sometimes, do you know for some people we should go over to Buckingham Green in Buckland, right? Dig a six-foot hole. This will get me arrested. Dig a six-foot hole. Give a person a bit of string. Chuck them in. Start filling it with earth and say, tug the string when you get a point what this is about. The burial. I'm not going to do that, all right? I just want to say I'm not going to do that. But some people need to understand the significance of what's happening. It's a burial of who you used to be so that you can be liberated, liberated with a free conscience to live the life that God's given you to live. All right, last couple of statements. I had a clip I was going to play, but I'm not because of time. In June, I was up in... Um, June, it wasn't even June, when was it? Janu- when was I in New York? January sometime, wasn't it? Or November, something like that, I was up there. And I was preaching in upstate New York and I preached again on water baptism. And there was snow and ice. And there was one young man, his name was Paul. The church, we had such a move of the spirit, 30 people booked up for baptism the next week. But one of them, he was an ex-Royal Marine. He said to me, I'm not getting baptised in that swimming pool. I'm going to do it in a way that I never forget. And I've got a video of if you want to see it. He went to the land of one of my friends and cut a hole in the ice. And the ice was about that thick. And he jumped in. He said, I want to do this so I never forget it. I said, oh, you'll never forget that. That's brain freeze beyond any ice cream you ever ate. And I watched him. But you know what? He did that because he didn't want to forget the moment of what God had done and was doing. But we're not doing ice baptisms next week. Just a nice pool, nice and clean, dressing rooms, towels, all the modern conveniences. But we're applying faith. We want to make water baptism in family church more regular than we have. We want to do it one Sunday in the coffee hall during when we're fellowshipping afterwards. I'm having a baptismal built in the Empower Center in Portsmouth and in Haven. Because I really believe... God knew what he was saying when he said, repent and be baptized. So we're going to be putting more focus on this than we have in the last few years. So, okay, how do we respond to this? Number one, if you've been baptized sometime in your walk with the Lord, apply faith to that moment. Because God can meet you in that moment, even if it was 40 years ago, to release the hand of the oppressor. I know other people that couldn't do that with their faith, so they said, would we baptise them again? 
I said, well, it's not in the Bible, but I don't think God's religious, so come on, let's do it. Because some people couldn't associate with that first moment. Neither is wrong, I don't believe. But I want to encourage you, if you've been baptized, begin to thank God in your heart. Thank you, Lord, even though I didn't understand what was happening. In that moment, you liberated me, and that liberation comes into my world right now. All he needs, person, water, faith, all right? Outside of time, outside of legalism, those are the three things God needs. All right, let's get to those who haven't been baptized yet. Let's have a good look at you. Why not? Don't you want everything that God wants you to experience? If you've never been baptized by full immersion, not christening, full immersion in water, it's a demonstration of you being placed in the body of Christ done by the hand of man, your church, so that you can experience the baptism of the Spirit that's given by Christ. All right? A lot happening in this moment. If you've been saved over the last few weeks, months, or years, and you've never been baptized in water, I think I've defined that enough, in water, you need to get your list, your name on the list for next Sunday night. If you can't make next Sunday night, you need to say to Pastor Stuart and Carla or Pastor Sean and Paula, get me on for a baptismal. I'm saying it now because I don't want to convince myself not to later. I'm believing next Sunday night is going to be awesome. One, because the worship in family church, have you failed it? since the new year intensifying. I'm so thankful for Smudge and Janine and the team. Haven't you felt the shift in our worship? Love it. Next week, we're going to be worshiping together tomorrow on Sunday night. But also as a part of our worship, we're going to get anyone that needs to be baptized. And we're going to baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. We're going to see people set free from addictions. We're going to see guilt broken off of people's lives. We're going to see fear broken off of people's lives. Because we ain't just doing this because he told us we believe in it. If you're here today and you've never given your life to Jesus, what a great deal. You can get saved today and we'll baptize you next week. Come on, what a great deal. You can turn to Christ today and then we'll baptize you in water next Sunday night. It was a baptism that happened about three weeks ago. Somebody, again, said to Pastor Stewart, I will not wait, I will not wait. I don't know if you saw the Facebook. They went down the ocean, um, Pastor Stewart and Sam Coupland, and the waves were bigger than them. And the guy got dragged off and dragged back. But we did it. Why? Because the man said, like the Ethiopian in the Bible, what stops me doing it now? Next Sunday night is your now, all right? I've overrun. Sorry about that. If you're here and you've never given your life to Christ, why don't you do that right now? If you're looking at the world and everything that's shaking and saying, I need stability, there's no better stability than the kingdom of God. Because everything that can be shaken will be shaken to reveal that which can't be shaken according to Hebrews 12, which is the kingdom. Let's just pray this prayer together as we close this morning. Every one of us. Thank you, Heavenly Father, for providing salvation through Jesus Christ, your Son. I believe in Jesus and I turn from the life I've been living 
to be a follower of Jesus Christ. Saved by Jesus and led by Jesus. I give my life to you today and receive your salvation. Amen. Every eye closed, every head bowed. If you're here today and you've never prayed that prayer or you've been away from the Lord and today you're coming back, as I count to three, just go ahead and lift your hand. Let us know so that we can help you take your next steps. One, two, three. Is there anyone today and you say, I need to give my life to Jesus? I need to return my life to the ownership of Christ. Is there anyone today, just in this closing moment, Father, I thank you for every person in this room, every man, woman and child, every household represented. I pray this week would be a week of breakthrough, a week of good things as your kingdom breaks out in their world and in their family. Keep them from sickness, I pray. Keep them from disease. Father, let COVID not be able to come anywhere near them and let finances and resources and promotions break out in their households and in their families simply because they're your kids. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Don't forget, if you've not been baptised, don't wait until you're on the way home. The devil will talk you out of it. Talk to Stuart and Carla, Sean and Paula, and say, get me on the list. God bless you. Let's keep Ukraine in our prayers. Amen. Don't forget, if you want to give, give through the Family Church app. God bless you.